0: and other technologies in the decentralised digital economy. I'm your host, Kelsey Navin, and we are tuning in from the RMIT University Blockchain Innovation Hub to bring you expert guests and test frontier ideas. Today, we're joined by Dr. Elizabeth Morton, Lisa Gregg uh, from Peregrine Advisors, and James Carey from Prime Partners to discuss the end of financial year crypto tax considerations. It's worth noting that none of this is tax, legal, or financial advice. It's just a general conversation and you need to seek your own advice. Welcome to all of you.
1: Welcome, Kelsey. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Kelsey. So we're almost at the end of June and taxpayers have in their sites the fun task of submitting their tax returns once again or seeking the services of a tax agent. To kick us off, how common is it becoming for crypto, sorry, for clients to have crypto to disclose
2: I can jump into that Um, it's becoming very common and it's also what's interesting is that it's not necessarily the clients that are disclosing it now it's the ATO so you've got clients who'll show up and they'll give you all of their tax work and you'll look on the ATO prefill report and it will have a little sort of warning saying um, your client you know had some crypto activities and we'll go to the client and I'll say, oh, yes, I did. So it's um, the ATO are making it easier for themselves, maybe, to sort of capture the, this activity.
0: Is that coming off the centralized exchanges that are reporting direct to the tax office? Yeah,
2: Yeah, it, it, exactly. So I, I have a feeling that then, like, if, you, if you've never touched a centralized exchange and, you know, all of your cryptos come from your own, Minting or you know mining, um, and you've never touched that. They probably can't see that, but um, uh, yeah, at the moment it's really they're just picking up what what the exchanges are reporting.
3: Yeah, that's all right, James. I've seen that as well. You know, a few years ago there wasn't as much coming through from the ATO on the pre-fill. So what I did is I basically thought well, they must be registered with Oztrack, so I approached Oztrack and said, "Have you got a list of all the exchanges that are registered?" And they said, yes, we have, but it's not disclosed. So, but if you ask us, we'll tell you if an exchange is on there. So that's what I did a few years back. And I, I put some really obscure ones, like Lounge of Satoshi and all this sort of stuff, but put the, put the common ones on as well and, and got that feedback. So I think um, it's pretty hard to hide now, isn't it, with everything um, starting to get self-regulated, if we can put it that way as well. So we're seeing a lot of things coming through pre-fill. Uh, interesting that the Bragg report said what one in four individuals are playing in crypto uh, and I think we're starting to see those sort of numbers come up. It's a bit of a shock when you talk to practitioners saying 25% of your I clients, as we call them individual clients should have uh, crypto and it's going yep the numbers are getting close to that now. So it looks like maybe everyone's trying to do the right thing Kelsey that's sort of what we're seeing.
1: Yeah, and I, and I guess from uh, a perspective of the different kinds of assets now um, available, so the non-fungible tokens in particular, probably raise even more concerns with regards to what's actually being captured by the ATO. So have they actually worked out how to capture uh, that information um, it's it's a little bit tricky and I think they're still learning they're still working it out um, and perhaps focusing a lot more on the the criminal behavior side of things and also flagging with taxpayers but um, I, I think if they're not giving you the notice now if they're not coming up in prefill now um, I I don't think it's going to be long before they catch up as well. So um, if, if clients aren't getting flagged now when they are involved, uh, it doesn't mean they won't be.
3: And the important thing is as well is that just because it isn't flagged on pre doesn't mean that there isn't activity happening. It's only the the ones that, um, you know, it's only, only the ones that have sort of gone through central exchanges or, you know, that's the whole NFT market sort of opens up as well. Uh, But I'm finding that clients are sort of starting to know now it's making tax cool, as Lizzie always says, that people are now getting more and more aware of tax.
1: Yeah, for sure. Blockchain is certainly making understanding tax really, really cool. And I've never seen it in so many conversations. It's brilliant. (laughs) Too true.
0: So that's actually a great segue in terms of what kinds of activities are taxpayers um, engaging with, um, in regards to blockchain or cryptocurrency assets. Um, you mentioned NFT. so we're not just talking about speculating on you know Bitcoin prices, but there's a whole broad range of activities going on here, I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, so I can I guess start the ball rolling here for for sure. So non-fungible tokens being anything from artwork to gaming to anything in between really um uh, have really um become really popular over the last couple of years and we've seen huge amounts of money being put into these kind of projects and 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 assets and and they're quite different from when we're looking at uh Bitcoin that is a little bit more like money it's a little bit more just like a a fairly plain investment these things are um, a little bit more trickier because you really need to characterize exactly what's going on are they being acquired because of their um, visual appeal are they being acquired because someone is just playing a game um, um, online Um, you know there's a lot of different reasons that these are being acquired what they're being used for is it essentially access to a club so this really kind of creates a lot of unique circumstances for each individual taxpayer. So it's really important that we're actually understanding the intention, what the taxpayer is doing, and and, and how we then interpret how the tax law applies. But beyond NFTs, there's a lot of Other interesting activities that are starting to arise, um, particularly in regards to uh, decentralized finance um, issues around uh, complex tax issues around things like uh, staking, um, airdrops, even um, all kinds of different things.
2: Yeah, and I mean, further on that, um, I mean, there's we're also seeing people who are involved in the the play to earn gaming or even. Uh, a recent thing has been um, Steppen, which is you know a a pay to walk. You know you earn crypto by by walking, and um, oh, I would that... do
0: so well at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: and and um, you know, the, the Ponzi nature of some of these things aside, you know, at the time you're potentially generating these these tokens, they might be worth a, a, a fair amount. So, um, you know. I think people aren't necessarily appreciating that all of the tax stuff that comes into play like it's it's yeah there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on and it it um will make our jobs as accountants um pretty 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 uh tricky like it's it's um yeah it's it's challenging
3: yeah, exactly, James. And I'm finding that I think they suddenly feel a bit comfortable about the, the 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 tokens and and selling them. And there it's a capital gains tax event. They're good with that. And then they look at the airdrop and go, Well, hang on, I just got gifted that. So what does that mean? And then you've you know you've got the things like what you're talking about with Steppen is sort of like, is that personal exertion so that then becomes income to them. And so there's a number of different elements to it all where, you know, they sort of understand some of it, but as we know, the tax landscape is really, really complex. So we're getting some of the way there, but there's still a lot to learn. And then once they start doing, you know, GameFi and DeFi and all that sort of thing, I mean, even the experts not quite sure where, where that lands in, in, in tax treatment.
1: Yeah, and actually coming back to that uh, that gaming element here, we've got to reflect upon who the taxpayers we're dealing with are, um, you know, who's actually undertaking these gaming activities and therefore potentially having real tax implications because we're going beyond the walls of a traditional game to something that can be then sold on a secondary market. So, um, you know, concern over the education um, of taxpayers in this space and recognising that it's just, it's not just the CGT implications. but can be revenue, there can be ordinary income elements uh, to the equation as well and, and made more complex because we're not dealing in Australian dollars generally, we can be far removed from it. So it's, it's you know, that determination of market value, um, what's ordinary income versus capital gains. Um, there's a lot of inputs going into considerations and thought processes um, for, for what seems to be a fun, simple, uh, unique thing to, to get involved in.
3: That's right, Lizzie. And, Sorry, what I'm finding as well is I'm talking to mum practitioners because I talk to a lot of other practitioners as well and the, the mum practitioners, you know, I talk, talk to them about GameFi and things they go, oh, my kid's playing on Roblox but then that doesn't matter from from a blockchain point of view but if they're doing Axie or Decentraland or, or something like that, then it is and they're going, hang on, I'm getting really confused there and I said if the graphics looks really good, you're probably okay. If the graphics <laughs> looks a bit chunky, it's not. I mean, what else can we say to them? It's just like they've got no idea what their kids are doing anyway so it just adds that mm. element and a lot of the conservative mum you know tax practitioners are going oh do I have to worry about doing a tax return for my son because he's playing in this space
2: yeah and and I think that you know there's maybe um, a misconception at the individual level about well I'm just playing a game yeah I happen to be getting these tokens but you know it's just it's my personal it's my personal stuff and I don't have to worry about the tax on that that game side and um we, we as practitioners have to educate them that, yeah, the ATO probably doesn't see it that way. And there's been some private rulings where, yeah, pe- people have, and I don't, don't know what it was, but they've been getting NFTs from whatever the game it is. And is this a personal use asset? and The, the ATO more or less came back and said, no, you know, this is, you're going to be um, paying tax on it.
1: And that's a really good point because this concept of what we're dealing with is so comparable to what would have been just those little things that you had on your back shelf in your, your study or your bedroom, like your uh, Tamagotchis, your your uh, basketball cards, your Tazos, whatever it was that you just got into. Now we're doing similar things, but they are under the scrutiny of the ATO. They're trackable, they're, they're transparent on blockchain and, and they're modified because we can now trade them on secondary markets we can earn money they are reflective of an of a, of a unknown number of rights and benefits um, that are embedded in these assets and so we've got to really unpick that and understand well does the personal use uh, exemptions or the collectible rules apply here um, and, and there's a lot of question over that. And, um, yeah, as, as James has indicated, that, that the ATO is, is, is putting a clear message out that a lot of these things aren't going to be considered um, personal use or collectibles. Um, so I think it's a really interesting area and a really challenging area uh, to be uh, advising in.
0: So, someone mentioned airdrops. Lizzie, you recently had an opinion piece about that out. What did you? What was that about?
1: Yeah, so I recently, it, it was really just a reflection of, of, I guess, the difficulty and the challenge working, like both taxpayers and tax practitioners dealing with ATO guidance. So the ATO are putting out a lot of information on their websites in addition to the tax determinations. But in some cases, they can be really broad statements. And, and I guess the caution that I've reflect upon, reflected upon here, if I can get my words out, is, is that it's, you know, it's really, you need to be mindful of the taxpayer's intention, their activities, what's actually going on. And and airdrops is a really neat example of that because the, the guidance that the ATO provides is, is quite clear and, and, and very specific in the sense that the money value that you receive from an airdrop is going to be ordinary income at the time uh, that airdrop is, is received. And that can be you know all well and good but if we look at the actual tax principles that underpin this well we need an essentially a nexus um generally Winning the lottery, uh, getting a lottery ticket, uh, or being rec- uh, receiving a gift from someone generally won't be captured as ordinary income. And that's been really established through the, the courts over many, many years. And so the question arises here, will an airdrop always be ordinary income? And, and on reflecting on this, I think it can be challenged. Um, if you receive just an airdrop from a friend, you've done absolutely nothing. Or if it's just randomly been dropped into your wallet, um, often that can actually happen with scams. That you know, that really puts into question um, that guidance as a broad brush statement. Obviously, there'll be certainly instances if you've had to uh, do something um, like post or, or hold certain level of crypto, then for sure that that notion um, is is much more readily accepted. But I do certainly think that it really brings to light the need to understand the the taxpayers' activities. Um, and and you know, is it a gift? Is so? Is it a win for game? Is it equi- a game? Is it equivalent to essentially winning the lottery? And I think if it is, there, there can be um, a little bit of a challenge uh, to that 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 statement. Um, and also, it raises the issue about well. Uh, it can force compliance on taxpayers if you've got no asset base that, you, that it relates to if 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 you've done nothing if someone just randomly gives you an airdrop they're essentially forcing upon you income to a certain value and I just think that's really fascinating um, and then there's a lot of uh, Twitter activity on this and um, uh, responding to the fact that you know can you airdrop your greatest enemy $1 million worth of tokens and then tank the prices so that they have to pay the income tax on the initial drop. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, uh, this interpretation does, you know, suggest that, but in this instance, that, that person doing the air dropping is kind of putting their, themselves in a, a, a bit of a, a tax position too, because from their perspective, it is in a sense a disposal, so a CGT event if we contemplate the Australian tax law. So I think there's a lot of pockets of, of challenge and difficulty in really reflecting upon what's actually going on and how that fits to the underpinning tax principles that have been well-established and not really developed from the crypto economy the crypto economy is something really unique and different we're having to look at how analogies apply how the tax principles apply and uh, i just think it's going to be more complex um and and taxpayer specific it just comes back to that you know cliche saying that you get from all lawyers or practitioners that well it depends (laughs)
0: Yeah, so Lisa and James, what other areas of crypto activity are you finding that people have a more sort of uncertain interpretation of, of tax law? So we've talked about airdrops. Um, we've talked a little bit about NFTs. I'm really interested in DAO governance tokens as well and even some of the differences here between individuals and companies. So I, I've sort of recently come to learn that, you know, um, people acting on behalf of um, you know a limited liability company may be able to you know um, navigate some of the legal considerations uh, here as well around liability again not official advice but super interested on, on how that works with regards to tax implications as well
3: look it's, it's interesting because uh, the client base that that I look after and things like that it's sort of playing a little bit in the GameFi space and so you're looking at do they have a governance token in that respect and then is it really a DAO or not is really what's coming coming down to Kelsey and I always talk about the current rules with DAOs is pretty much it's acting like a partnership so it's joint and several liability and so you've got to be cautious whether you actually um, commit to and comment on governance and the way that that game is played and those sort of things, but I'm not seeing too much activity with my smaller client base at the moment when it, when it comes to to governance tokens.
2: Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's probably the same, and there's this, maybe this fine line between, you know, what is, you know, a pure governance token versus what is, you know, just a token that they're kind of calling a governance token, um, and most people, um, uh, you know, most of my clients, are sort of just thinking that they are, they're buying and selling, um, you know, tokens for profits rather than actually participating and running and be- being involved. So we, I haven't had anybody come across this. Um, you know, you're a potential partner in this. You know, huge, you know, valuable DAO. Um, the the other thing maybe that people and again, I don't think it's, necess- it's, don't think it's necessarily an uncertain tax um, uh, position for practitioners, but for um, clients, they might be getting staking rewards um, f- for something or other. And you know the, the token price is really high and they receive this, to- this staking reward and it's ordinary income. And there's some event like a global crypto crash <laughs> happens. And suddenly they're not worth that much. And they want to sell them, um, they're probably going to have a capital loss, but ordinary income. So they can't offset those two and they've got no money to pay the tax. So there's these these potential um, risks that I guess we need to try and educate people that if you are getting you know highly... Um, volatile staking rewards you may want to consider cashing them out when you get them and putting some money in stable coins to co- cover the cover the tax component
3: as long as they're real stable coins james isn't it <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> that's, that's what right. we're talking about not the
0: algorithmic stable coins that yeah, yeah so exactly much. exactly, <laughs> exactly.
1: It. and it's all happening right up uh, up to the 30th of june uh, end of tax year so uh this crypto winter is certainly putting on a good show and i think it's going to create extra interesting uh, activities for, for clients uh, at tax time now because uh, perhaps we were originally uh, concerned with all these tax debts uh, arising and as James has indicated, there will be in regards to the ordinary income element. Yet yeah, from a, a CGT perspective, um, are we looking at a lot of losses, um, you know, coming coming around this, this tax year? I think it will be certainly interesting to see and, you know, um, how many, how many dead tokens, in essence, are there out there um, that, are, that are going to be recognised this tax year?
3: And it's also, Lizzie, can they prove it? I get a lot of clients say to me, I've lost my money, I've lost my wallet, I've lost my key. You know, it's sort of like, can I claim the loss? You know, those sort of things as well, it's that substantiation that the ATO, you know, love. It's sort of like, you know, prove it to me, you know, because remember the way tax law works is, you know, if you kill someone, they've got to prove you've killed someone with tax law. You've got to prove you haven't done something. So someone says, you know, you've, you've got crypto and you go, well, no, I haven't. How do you prove you haven't got it? So it comes down to as well as how do you how do you prove you've lost it?
1: Yeah, that's it. That that loss of that private key, or if your USB where you're storing uh, you, your cold wallet, for example, gets ended up uh, gets put in the bin, and you can't find it in 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 the tip that like that a uh, person in the news in in recent times has suffered. From, maybe they don't worry so much now because of the value going down, but it, it is a real issue about, you know, you don't have someone you can call up and, and recover passwords. You don't have someone you, you know, there's not really, a you know, good chances of recovering losses here for, from a compensation point of view. Um so yeah, that that point of realization that that it is lost and it, is it truly lost, and you know can it then be later found, and um, you know this this is going to be particularly uh, problematic for for example for deceased estates, um, uh, you know more and more in the future, whereas. In, in the past, it's probably, you know, the rare example of, you know, perhaps artwork being stolen and and things like that. But, um, you know, uh, losing assets here is, is obviously a real concern and has implications. But, yeah, difficult to, to actually prove um, the fact that it is actually lost or destroyed.
0: So the space and the technology is so fast-paced. How do you as Tax agents actually keep up with what's going on in this space? And what, I guess, guidance is available for taxpayers with respect to their crypto activities, maybe prior to seeking an agent?
2: I, I think, you know, what we've spoken about before in our sort of private group, um, and you know, possibly what, you know, Lizzie's out advocating um, along with other people, that there isn't that much guidance, you know, from the ATO around some of the newer stuff around your traditional you know buy a coin sell a coin you know yeah okay that's that's pretty standard and we've got guidance but um, you know for for a lot of this sort of other nuanced stuff we're kind of we're we're kind of just doing what we what we what we can without you know w- while we wait for you know if it's ever going to come new new ato guidance or new legislative certainty which doesn't seem like it's on the cards anytime soon.
3: Yeah, the biggest issue that I'm seeing is just the quantum of data that comes through. You know, when you buy and sell a coin, it's a CGT event, so there's a capital gain for all of them. And we're seeing clients that have got 6,000, 10,000 transactions. And so it's very, very complicated. And and as I said, we're sort of seeing one in four uh, individuals um, doing some sort of crypto trade. There's a lot of practitioners out there that it's a total foreign language to. So it's very difficult for them to understand. So I think it's very much at the moment a partnership between the taxpayer and the tax agent to work out what's going on. Because you need to know the facts to be able to do the tax. And a lot of times the tax agent will know the tax, but they won't actually understand what's going on 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 the crypto side. So what's happening is that this quantum of data gets... Gets churned through some sort of tax calculator, you know, whether it's Coinly or Crypto Tax or something like that, and then that sort of data then gets presented to tax agents, and that's how we find that we're we're managing it for a lot of clients that just don't know. And there's a lot of um, that's a lot of work to consider as well. And when you look at it, you know, how do we, you know, we look at it. We're a business. How do we charge for those sort of things, which also becomes um, quite difficult. So I feel that especially this tax tax time where there's a lot of speculative investment a lot of people that are that are that are churning through um, lots of transactions it, it does actually have to be a partnership to work out what's going on and coming up with just the best solution we can and you know Lizzie's looked at the things like our code of conduct of how we actually how, how are we certain that what we're presenting in a tax return is accurate and that's one of the big challenges we've got as well
2: and further, further to that um what i like it's very hard to do the tax or to sort of you know look at the transactions or solve problems if you don't actually understand what's going on and you know you can't go and look up etherscan or you know you know go and look up the blockchain explorers to see what this transaction actually is because the software does an okay job at kind of making assumptions and guessing at things but it really needs Uh, a an experienced sort of set of eyes to you know review and and correct those errors and the only way is to really be in in the space actively doing stuff and you know we've got you know a, a big you know team of accountants and we've got more and more crypto people coming clients coming to us and there's only sort of about two or three of us who actually have the the skills to do or the, you know, to do the, the more complex stuff. And I think there's probably this range of clients. If you are only on exchange, you just kind of bought, sell, bought, sell. That's pretty easy and the software is going to be pretty accurate. If you've gone off exchange to private wallets and you're doing DeFi or you've got multiple exchanges, um, it that's where it really gets hard to, to figure it out if you don't... Um, you're not sort of in the space yourself, um, and on the fees, we I just finished a client last week who um, had six or seven thousand transactions, lost one hundred and forty thousand dollars over the twelve months, and we had to charge oh. him an extra three three thousand dollars. Oh, to, this is and this is for an individual return that would normally be eight hundred dollars, but it just the amount of work to figure out how much money he lost. Um, you know, we, we can't do it for free. And we did, you know, I had to have a couple of calls with him where, oh, we found another wallet and, oh, we found another exchange and, oh, we found all this sort of stuff because, um, oh, my, my, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's challenging and I don't think, I don't think, well, people will appreciate the effort and the fees involved, um if they want to sort of play and dabble in this space.
3: Oh, it's so true, James. I'm just smiling when when you're talking about that because, you know, my clients are a lot smaller than that. And, you know, it it could take the same amount of time to to do that because remember the quantum of transaction could be a hundred bucks sort of things equivalent. You know, it's not like we've got that lovely thing when we talk about shares, we've got that minimum of $500 sort of thing and it's going to be a, a huge cost. So you've got the people that are just, you know, trading on a regular basis. I go, you've taken the responsibility, you need to pay it. But instead of, you know, having that sort of loss, you know, they're talking about a couple of hundred dollar loss. And so I make them go and use use one of the tax calculators, go, I've got to pay for that, Lisa, really? And I said, yes, you've committed to it. And I'm going to charge you my time as well. And, and like you found all these different wallets. It's like, so where does that leave us in terms of our responsibility? as well, going, okay, have you given us all the wallets? Have you given us all your income? Of you know, it's, it's these sort of questions where we have to have a little bit of knowledge of what's going on to be able to make sure we're asking the right questions to get the right answers. And it's such a challenge, and it is a challenge now because – the general practitioner, if I can call them that, not being medical, right, the general tax practitioner needs to be at least be able to talk the language of what's going on to ask the right questions, even if, you, if, even if they do t- put a lot of responsibility back on the taxpayer.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can, you know, you only need a couple of dollars to to undertake some complex DeFi transactions, and then to unpack all of the CGT events that you're actually creating, um, it, it's incredible. So you can acquire, you maybe airdrop in some uh, coins from a friend to help you get started. You might then swap to to then, uh, you know, obtain or, or put in a, a liquidity pool, a couple of different, uh of crypto coins you're then earning uh, rewards from that you might then go and stake some you might switch uh, use a bridge to to transfer coin from one uh, chain to another and and if we apply the ATO guidance I mean there's an incredible amount of of uncertainty an incredible amount of potential CGT events all for a couple of dollars worth of of, um, of, of money. So it, it can be, you don't need a lot of money to create a lot of complex unwinding from a tax perspective. And if we think about what, what guidance is provided to tax practitioners, we have 2014 tax determinations. We then have a website that is updated here and there, but often it can be very generic. You can talk about, well, it will be um, income when derived. Well, when is it derived for, for liquidity pools? it could be every second you know it's ticking over versus you know if it crystallizes at a point in time it's just so complex um, despite the amount invested so there's a lot of
2: yeah and and the the interesting thing is like DeFi and sort of you know crypto it, it removes all these um all this friction so it's really easy i'm going to swap from this coin to this to do that to that that and you do that, whereas it's harder to do that with, you know, ComSec where you're spending $19 <laughs> a trade or, yeah, yeah. you know, and maybe, maybe these newer um, apps where it's, you know, free free trading, like the Robinhood style yeah. apps. Maybe shares are getting a bit more like that. But, you know, even then you can't go off um, off the exchange and do all the, the crazy stuff that, that that complicates our lives.
1: Yeah, so it, it's definitely... A- it can easily escalate and become incredibly complex without needing to actually have a lot of money invested. And yeah, and as Lisa's already indicated, from a tax practitioner point of view, they, they uh, we need to be able to apply the law competently. We need to be able to understand the client affairs. Um, these are fundamental principles of, of the code of conduct uh, a tax practitioner abides by um, and, and raises a lot of, you know, issues and challenges. Um, but if practitioners aren't getting on top of this and if this uh, we've got one in four as Lisa's indicated the the survey suggests one in four have either held or do hold crypto a tax practitioner really needs to think well you know more if this is going to be more and more Uh, clients over time um, can they afford not to learn this um, and get on top of it and and understand it Um, and so there's a lot of elements going on that create a really complex uh, situation to be in
0: and so someone mentioned before the group that you have and I think you were referring to um, the tax Group uh, that Lizzie coordinates through LinkedIn. So, for people based in Australia that might be relevant uh, to find her and, and reach out and kind of join an informal network of practitioners. Uh, what was also mentioned was uh, around tax legislation. And so, I'd love to know what tax reform uh, related to crypto has been flagged by the former government or is on the horizon. And then also, how has this shifted, um, if at all, with the change of government as well?
1: Yeah, so the uh, former government um uh, undertook a, a oh, we call it the Bragg report because it was led by uh, Senator Andrew Bragg but in that uh, the final report it it recommended that the CGT regime be reformed and so this would be for example um, adding a particular CGT event or a kind of asset category for example um, to, to cater for some of the complex uh, issues that are arising or the complex activities but the problem is obviously with DeFi this goes much more beyond the CGT regime, uh, the government noted this, um, so wasn't overly excited about it. But they did get Treasury to step in to uh, instigate with the Board of Taxation um, a, a formal review of of the broader taxing regime for for digital assets and transactions. So that's where we're currently at. That in this during the twenty twenty two year that will be carried out um, um, assuming that's business as usual with the change of government um, but at the moment now that we're, we we've shifted government it's a, there is a lot of uncertainty that it's all up in the air where we really sit um, Labor's been really clear around uh, concern over investor protection over scams obviously the crypto winter and all the problems that we're seeing uh, occur over the last couple of months is probably not helping that position but we're really not sure how how uh, this will play out. Um, but first step, I think, is is with the Board of Taxation having a closer look at the holistic system um, uh, with respect to, to digital assets. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Perhaps Labor will end up repeating um, a, an inquiry in a similar sense to what Andrew Bragg led. Um, we just don't know yet.
3: But as we know, Lizzie, um, tax reform takes a long time in this country. We're not ho- – we're ho- We don't hold our breath for tax, uh, huge tax reform. Uh, If you think about what's happened in tax, you know, GST was probably the last big thing and that was probably when a lot of the listeners probably weren't even born yet perhaps even. (laughs) But um, so if if some technical tax stuff goes to the board of tax, they do a very thorough job and they're still sitting on some very excellent reviews in terms of residency and things like that we still haven't seen legislation for. So we're probably relying on, if we look at, what we can be certain about. And I think that's one of the things that's really frustrates us in this space because the ATO has taken a very narrow view, but of course we can have a reasonably argued position that we think they're wrong. So we're then waiting on what happens next. So we have the law and then we have case law. So we hope that some things will get to the court so we can see what the position is. But if they don't quite get to the courts because that costs a lot of money, then what are we relying on? We're relying on ATO audits and things like that going, going on or getting private rulings, which is really hard to read because for privacy reasons, all the fact patterns are redacted. So we don't know. So it's about talking to other practitioners and seeing how their audits go. I spoke to a practitioner the other day about, about a client that said, I'm not putting anything in. They've had crypto in their pre-fill. We're not putting anything in, and the ATO said, "No, we're going to audit you because you've made no disclosures for capital gains tax." So that practitioner said, "Taxpayer, you discuss things with the ATO. I'm not doing it for you." And so, so yeah, toing and froing because it was out of their 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 experience, and they came up with, "Okay, we'll agree to just." Let it go. So it was fine. But when you actually looked at the data, because I had a look at the data, they'd made a loss anyway. So all they're doing is not banking the loss. What was their argument? They said, We're gambling. They would put Litecoin into this, this casino thing, and I'm just going, Oh, I mean, don't fight it if it doesn't make any sense. If they made a loss anyway, bank the loss and move on. So you've got to have a bit of a pragmatic approach as well. So that's sort of my long-winded answer on what's happening with tax reform and why it gets so frustrating for all of us in terms of this grey uncertainty area. But please be rest assured, it's just not crypto. There's a lot of things happening in the tax space that is making our hair go very, very grey at the moment.
1: That's a really good point, Lisa. I mean, it's one of many challenges that tax practitioners face all the time. Um, but yeah, and I think that's 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 the point here. It's about understanding that just to, uh, doing something as opposed to ignoring it is critical. Like you need to disclose. Um, we may not have the right answers. We may not. Uh, we we may be learning what the ATO really wants, and also understanding whether what the ATO wants actually aligns to the underlying tax principles that are established through uh, the judiciary with case law it's you know there's a lot of things that are up in the air but um, you know as you point you know you've, you've got to disclose it uh, it's better to disclose it you're going to be in a worse situation um, if you just simply ignore what's going on.
3: Yeah exactly uh, and, sure. and my experience with with the ATO with audits or not even audits just a please explain phone call which is normally what we get right you know something has come through for pre-fill You haven't disclosed it. Let's have a discussion about it. The ATO know that there's a quantum of data and they know that we're just going to have to do the best we can. And that's sort of the response I'm getting from the ATO. Like, agree that you've got something. Agree what exchange you've used because they can see what exchanges come through. They're not expecting to see 6,000 or 10,000 bits of paper showing all these CGT events, as we call them, when we get a capital gain. Just do the best you can. As long as you've addressed it and you know you've got a taxing point, and then move on from there.
0: And so what final advice would uh, each of you give for this tax time? It seems like a very, yeah, muddy and, and rocky road. And, you know, for one in four Australians to be um, going down it, including underage people and, you know, mums and companies and individuals. Um, yeah, definitely something that um, that can't be ignored in a sense.
2: Um, I think that my advice is um, speak to your accountant And have a full understanding of what you have done and sort of be able to present that so that we don't have to, um, you know, spend time going back and forth finding new things that, um, you you know, we didn't get up front. Because, yeah, if if you can at least, and that's why working with um, your clients and clients working with their tax agents is so important that, um, you know, we, I was able to resolve all of the issues that, that my client had with a phone call because he was able to say, oh, yeah, I put some money into Binance and you know, did, you know, did some margin loans for this because I couldn't see what those transactions meant. So he, he at least knew and, and could solve those problems for me. So I think just understand what you've done and try to present a full, full picture
3: yeah totally agree james it's very much you know we're working in concert we're working in partnership with 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 our clients the taxpayers and so tell us the full story and then we'll help you help you, help you through it and if your tax agent doesn't know enough to be able to hold a conversation with you um Get them to skill up or find another tax agent. I'll be as bold to say that. I'm. I do a lot of presentations to fellow practitioners, and I basically always I'll give a plug to to to, to RMIT here. The Future Learn Defy um, um, eLearn for four weeks or whatever. I've just I've just pushed that out to a lot of people and said that's a really good one to just give you a bit of a flavour. To, to learn what's going on. Us practitioners have to do, what, 30, 40 hours worth of CPD a year. Just throw that in into the mix and make sure that, you know, really important the practitioners skill up as well. So, this tax time, it's a, it's a two-way street. Practitioners have to skill up and the taxpayers uh, have to understand their taxing points and go from there.
1: Yeah, and I'd just like to add, like, just really reiterating what's already been said. Know what you've done. If you're playing around, um, know what you've done. And this is Goes beyond just simply what's recorded on blockchain. This is about thinking about what you were doing, um, what was the steps you took, um, and the intention around it, and and the fact that you don't ignore it, declare it, and and you know make sure you you know you seek that advice if you need to, but don't ignore it. Um, uh, you know, even if the ATO aren't flagging it now, um, you know, as as they work out the system, as they work out how to capture the data. They will follow up. Um, uh, this is transparent. This is open. Uh, the transactions are there, so it's just understanding what you need to to record um, and and ensure you're communicating and, and talking with your accountant.
2: And as a as a follow up to that, um, I know that some people are tempted to take the approach of, well, you know, they can get access to the to the exchange data, and I've done all this stuff you know, off, you know, on chain um, and I'll just, I just won't share that and the ATO won't be able to figure it out. I mean, it is a public ledger um, and I know, I think the IRS has got, um, there's a company, I forget the name off the top of my head, but they've built this basically analytic tracking system um, to do exactly that. So an exchange will say you sent this money to this wallet and then they turn on their software and they just go, oh, this is everywhere you've been. So they can they can find you. Don't, don't try and hide it.
3: That's right, James. And that includes any sort of um, share economy platforms and all that sort of thing. All the data comes into the ATO. So they've got the information to be able to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, I think this is you and you need to declare some income.
0: Very ominous. Well, thank you for that, Um, Fascinating and uh, very uh, timely and pertinent uh, discussion. So Elizabeth Morton, Lisa Gregg and James Carey. And thank you to our listeners for joining this episode of Mint and Burn. You can check out the show notes, including uh, lots of links to ATO tax advice um, and a few other resources at rmitblockchain.io.